How's it going, guys? Welcome to the 13th episode of Fear Frequency. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is George Frazard. 2018 George Frazard. 2018. 2018. What's going on, dude? 2018. <laughs> Got him. You're saying that because we haven't done an episode in like a month, but <laughs> it's there's good reasons. So when we were at home, when I was in Michigan, it was just so cold and we just were busy doing other shit. And then we, I got back to LA and immediately caught the, the plague. I almost said the bubonic plague. I was making that joke a little bit, but then Logan Paul made that joke on one of his videos. <laughs> and I've been like trying so hard not to say it because I hate him. I had the plague and then right as I started to get better, I had to go to Vegas all last week for work for CES. So I obviously couldn't record then. And it's just been a mess. But now I'm back. I'm not sick. George isn't sick. We got movies to talk about. It's all good. We're back in business. Unlucky number 13. The unlucky 13th episode, baby. But we're back on track now. We almost had disaster because your audacity does not default to the right. (laughs) And you almost made a mistake that I've made before and put in 4,800 instead of 48,000. So that would have been bad and unlucky. Very unlucky. Luckily, I double-checked. So we're not even rusty at all, and we got a great <laughs> show today. There's obviously been a lot of news in the past month. Not as much as I would think, just because, like, Christmas and New Year's, and then, like, January just pumps out shitty movies. So there hasn't been a ton of news, but there's been some big news. So let's just jump right into it. First up, we got some new Halloween news. Halloween 2018, this year's Halloween movie that comes out on October 19th. We got some new cast members uh some of it's good some of it's whatever so we'll start out with the big heavy hitter nick castle is the guy who played michael in the first movie like the way back original and he's coming back to play michael myers along with james jude courtney who's like a stuntman i don't know man (laughs) like it's uh, okay so like uh, knee-jerk reaction is that it's cool but then you think about it and you're like uh, i don't know it's like a 70 year old man who like acted in Halloween, then did some like one-off TV stuff over the years, and hasn't really done anything. Yeah, hopefully he's just back to establish like close-ups, so he's the exact same scale as the original Michael yeah. Myers, and to just have that same imposing figure. Since obviously he's gonna be wearing a mask and a suit the whole time, so it's not like you'll even be able to see his old wrinkly body. So right. that's not like a huge deal. <laughs> But right. I wouldn't want to subject the poor guy to all the, like, falling out windows and all the stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know stunt people always do that, not not the main actor, but it just seems like, you know, even having the guy in the suit for, like, multiple hours a day might be a bit, bit much on his old body. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, it's cool, but it's not, like, I, I just did a video on this, and the way I talked about it was, like, you don't go around being, like, man, that Nick Castle. Now, that is a menacing horror actor like that guy is scary like you do with like kane hotter he played jason i think in jason goes to hell which is arguably one of the worst movies (laughs) in that franchise and people like loved him they loved kane hotter and he became jason for people like that late in the franchise he became jason people know that name he's victor crowley nick castle like not to discount his career in any way but he played a character that's like scary in a a different way than jason and b doesn't it doesn't really matter who's playing him you know yeah i mean even in halloween nick castle wasn't the only person to like be michael myers there were multiple people that also filled in for him in different roles one of the most iconic scenes near the end when laurie's in the closet and michael myers busts through i think that was the the special effects coordinator or something yeah, like it was. That, I forgot his name, but you're right. Yeah, so he's not really an iconic actor in any way. It's cool to see him come back and reprise the role, I guess, but I don't really... I'm not putting a big stock in it like, oh, this is really going to make the movie to have Nick Castle back in the in the mask. Yeah, like, who else could you bring back? Uh, like, honestly, you could bring back Donald Pleasance if he wasn't dead, so he's out. Most of the teens are dead. You could bring back the kid who played Tommy Jarvis, I guess. Cause I'm, I hope he's not dead because he wouldn't be that old. But they they really just kind of ran out of people to announce that are coming back for this big return other than Jamie Lee Curtis right away because there's so few people who lived through that first movie, A, and B, aren't dead in real life. 
So I kind of get why they're doing it, but I also just, I don't really care. I think that's the big thing. I just don't give a shit, honestly, who plays Michael Myers. Yeah. I think obviously having, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis come back is the big, the big get. Other than that, I mm-hmm. think everything else is kind of who cares for as long as far as like returning cast is concerned. Yeah. So then there is some more interesting casting news, though. So we got Andy Matichak as Lori's granddaughter. So in this movie, there's going to be three generations of Strode. There's going to be Judy Greer is Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter in this movie. And then she is a kid that's going to be teenaged being played by Andy Matichak, who has been in like virtually nothing. So, I mean, like, that's that's the thing. There's been way more casting. Virginia Gardner, Miles Robbins, Dylan Arnold, and Drew Sheed, and all of these actors have been in, like, virtually nothing. They've been, like, throwaway characters, just one-off scenes, or, or in, like, bad TV movies. I think Andy Matichek or Virginia Gardner were in Marvel's Runaways show, but they're all new actors, which, I don't know, man. That doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence. Like, I don't need a bunch of... I don't. I obviously don't want like Zendaya or like any of these teen actors who are huge just for their music careers or whatever. But still, it's it's weird to see this whole movie being filled out with people who aren't proven to be able to act. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's not great, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a budgetary thing where they're trying to make sure that you know, Jamie Lee Curtis gets all the money that she's deserved and they want to have the sets look really good and have the effects be cool. And so they're just pumping money into that as opposed to actors. And they figure having these unknowns is probably fine since it worked out in the first movie. But like I said, I'm not sure what, what the exact reason is for choosing these guys, but I don't know. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. It's kind of something where it's unproven. So you just kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of characters, and I don't think the the granddaughter is going to be a huge part of this movie. I think she'll be, like, in it, obviously. I'm also pretty positive she'll live, but they need people to kill, so getting a bunch of no-name actors that no one gives a shit about to put in here to, like, be steak knife fodder is, is, like, a good idea, and it makes sense. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but that is a good idea. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, they all look cool, I guess. Drew Sheet is funny because he's that, like, sweaty kid in Stranger Things when Nancy and Steve are talking in the aisle. And, like, when Steve's in gym class or whatever, remember? And then they go out behind the school, and then, like, that kid runs up, and he's like, we're losing the game, or whatever. <laughs> That's this guy. The, like, throwaway line guy who's on yeah. Steve's team in the basketball game. Yeah, but, like, I think Virginia Gardner is the one who was in Runaways. But other than that, most of these people haven't been in anything. And it like Happy Death Day worked with a new character or a new actress, like a up and comer named her name's Jessica Roth, I think, and she played Tree, the main character. But she had been in stuff, you know. She was like filling this title role. Even Andy Matichek, who's like related to the main character of this movie, she she's hasn't been in anything. So I I don't know, man. I it seems like they are trying to make a big deal out of every aspect of this movie so i'm thinking about this way more than i should but i i don't know i feel like they should have cast at least some more recognizable people than just judy greer and jamie lee curtis at this point yeah i thought that it was going to be something where they would basically just have like a more focused story where it would basically just Mm -hmm. be michael following uh you know Laurie Strode again and going through the old stomping grounds, I thought maybe they were just sticking to like a smaller cast, smaller production, you know, but yeah, all these obviously not the case, right? But that's not the case since they just cast like five extra people and they're adding to, you know, another generation of Strode to the story. So it's like, I guess it's bigger than we, than I expected at least. And I don't know if that's for the better or for the worse. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, this movie is coming out this year, according to Jason Blum. Like, he is adamant that it is coming out on October 19th. It just started production the other day, like last Friday. So, that's, that's a tight timetable. It's real tight. Everything from like, this, before. This the... should be it level, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. This should be a big deal. Yeah. All the news coming out about it before the casting all sounded really good. And I'm, I'm confident in the writing team. 
I think that they're both. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm fine with that. Both really cool, and hopefully they have a lot of say on how you know how casting is being done and exactly how the movie is going to be because I have a lot of faith in them and not much faith in pretty much anybody else. So hopefully, <laughs> well, John Carpenter scoring, I have faith in that. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's obviously yeah. that'll obviously be good. But it's just like you know, it's something where I really hope that it's good and most of what has been coming out around this movie all sounds pretty good so mm-hmm. it's just kind of this is the first thing i've seen that's maybe been like yeah yeah and i i agree that they should have maybe cast some people that were more than like f rank celebrities maybe like get a d or a c in there yeah that maybe have like exactly a, like a couple speaking lines in a like a show that's pretty popular or something right, next up we got something that a lot of people are really excited about is that dark souls one is being remastered for PS4, Xbox One, computer, and Switch. Comes out May 25th. It's 4K, 60 frames per second on PS4, Xbox One, and computer. And then on Switch, it's 1080p, 30 frames, obviously. Yeah. Like, that's not surprising at all. I'm going to buy it on Switch, for sure. But nothing else, I don't think. I don't really care about playing that again on computer. Yeah. Just a quick note. Wouldn't the name be cooler if it was Dark Souls Rekindled? Yeah. Why didn't they do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do like i the, the trailer was really cool did you see it where like the knight walks up and lights the bonfire how that would have been yeah. way cooler if it was yeah rekindled. if it was like rekindled yeah one of my friends brought that up and i was like wow that is a much better name like <laughs> god damn yeah it should have been that but, but it's it's definitely cool to get it on a portable console for the first time yeah. ever i think that's a cool achievement and i mean it came out it, it'll probably be run pretty similar and look the same as like the ps3 or the xbox 360 version like when it originally came out yeah so i mean that's not bad having that you know on the go is pretty pretty good Mm -hmm. but i mean it's cool i think fans of the series will probably like to have the full remastered version but yeah with all the dlc and right right so i don't know i think this is a pretty popular game and i think now would probably be the time to play it if you've never played a Souls game before. Yeah, we finally got a working PC Dark Souls game with Scholar of the First Sin and then, you know, Dark Souls 3. So, From Software is handling this port. So, I don't know, if you're into playing on PC, the the original game is, like, notoriously broken on computer. So, now you'll have an opportunity to play it on a good port, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and it, I think it'd be kind of cool to see it run in 4K. Yeah, me too, for sure. I don't know if they're redoing all the textures or, like, just running it at 4K resolution. But either way, it should look pretty good. Because originally it ran in 720p and, like, anywhere from 20 to 30. So hopefully the Switch can, like, keep that 30 frames locked. Especially in something like Blight Town. Right. Yeah, I think that's one of the games where, like, all the assets that they have are really high quality like the textures mm-hmm. are huge and stuff but they have to like downscale everything so i'm sure they have 4k resolution textures for everything and it it'll probably look pretty great on like a 1x or a ps4 pro but yeah if it's 60 dollars i will not, not buy it for 60 dollars <laughs> just gonna throw that out there right now i don't give a fuck like what they do if it because it just seems like a straight remaster with all the dlc that is not worth 60 dollars to me by any stretch if it's 40 I th- which i think is what it's going to be i will i will buy it for switch yeah just to get a physical copy like how that's when i want like the cartridge up for sure yeah that's that'll probably be one of those switch games that i get that's kind of gimmicky to be like oh cool i can play it on the go and then probably won't play through it all the way or you know just like to see how it runs yeah. and then maybe come back to it in like a year or something well if it doesn't get any of the combat updates that three has i'm just gonna hate it yeah three three like fixed a lot of my issues with the combat like, I, three was a great mix of dark souls and bloodborne yeah i really hope it's they take three's engine and then put one over top of it that would be perfect honestly and because that one thing they got rid of i saw in donkey's new video that i remembered is when you would hit the walls yeah the sword would just bounce off mm-hmm. i forgot how many corridors there are in that fucking game so that that stuff just like was fun and like whoa it's so difficult when it came out because like physics were still cool back then but now it's just like okay we don't need that just make the game fun right just make like, it playable it more <laughs> yeah. playable please 
Yeah, and I, I think it's funny that they're actually going to be able to get this to run at 60 finally because it's been like notoriously hard to do that because the animations were never made for 60. So if you got the first game to run over 30 on your computer, it would break. Yeah, you had to lock it at 30 to make it not be yeah. bad. So hopefully that 30 is very consistent on Switch. I wouldn't want to see any huge frame rate dips while playing that game. And yeah, and then... I hope we get 2 and 3 on Switch as well, eventually. Yeah, I mean, that would be cool to have all three of them on there. At least three. I want three on Switch. Yeah, I like... I played two enough. I think two is pretty underrated, but I, I like all three. Two is super underrated, but I've beaten it multiple times now. So, like, personally, I just wouldn't buy two, but I know I'd buy three. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to get it, though. I think it's going to be pretty huge on Switch. Yeah, I think so too. So that's it's blown up on the Switch subreddit right now. And then next we have another movie, Rising from the Dead. We've talked about this before. I think when we talked about Leatherface, it was like someone holds the rights to a movie and then when the rights are going to expire and they haven't made the like requisite amount of films they have to make in that universe to keep the rights, they like pump one out just to say they made it and then they never release it. Hellraiser Judgment we did bring up as one of those movies and we thought it would never come out. But surprisingly, it's coming out on digital only, which is good or bad, depending on how you look at it. Not a big shocker either way, though. (laughs) Yeah, not a big shocker. On February 13th. So that's really soon. Yeah, that's pretty close, actually. That's like less than a month away. Yeah, and the trailer is pretty good. I thought. I thought it was cool. I thought it looked pretty good. I mean... It looks like a theatrical movie to me. It didn't blow me away. I thought that... There, there didn't look like there was a ton of pinhead in there. Right. Did you notice Which, that? Yeah, but... So, like, you know how they... This is the 10th movie in this franchise, which some people might not know. Is it really the 10th movie? Yeah, it's the 10th. Well, oh they've been doing God. just pinhead movies for years. Just, like, Hellraiser, like, insert dark word. Like, Hellraiser pain. <laughs> shit like that. And then it's just about... It's been only about pinhead. So this one was, like, a guy... I think as a guy who worked on the original one in some capacity in, like, a high-ranking position, he was like, I want to make this about the Cenobites again and, like, bring this back to what the first two movies were. So it, it looks like that from the trailer, which is kind of cool. I do and think... It looks like the torture stuff is, is pretty sweet in it, too. Yeah, I do think it's cool to bring back the Cenobites like that because that was originally the idea for the Hellraiser series was yeah. the first one was just going to be Pinhead and then the next couple movies are going to be like the other characters that were featured in the like hell world that they all live in and so it, it, it'll be cool to see other people interacting it, I, it from the trailer i think there's like three or four other ones there's the one that's in like the full gimp suit there's mm-hmm. the replacement for fat morpheus there's, then there's that that new one who's like the guy with the circle glasses yeah on lennon sunglasses yeah the fat morpheus replacement oh yeah he looked pretty cool he looks cooler than fat morpheus like <laughs> Fan Morpheus is like a meme character, but this guy looks cool. Yeah, I think, I think if it's done well, this is gonna surprise people a lot. Y- yeah, I mean, and I think honestly that direct to DVD is the way to go for this because you're, it's low cost for the studio and then the people who like the mega fans of this franchise, wherever the hell they are, they're gonna see it. Like they're gonna rent it, they're gonna buy it. And I feel like there will be a better return on the DVD or digital sales than there would have been in theaters for the same amount of people. I, I 100% agree with that. I think if they would have pushed this for theaters, I think they would have lost a ton of money on this. Yeah, and then that franchise is dead. Right. And it's like, why are you even trying to keep this? I don't know. But So the, the concept, the plot here, if people don't know or haven't watched the trailer, which Bloody Disgusting has the exclusive on, Three detectives are trying to stop a diabolical serial killer, and they're sucked into a maze of otherworldly horror where hellish denizens, including the auditor, the assessor, and the jury, await to pass judgment. Uh, I like the cop procedural thing aspect of this. I think that does look cool. I think... It looks like True Detective. Yeah, it's kind of got that vibe to it, and... uh, I mean, there's been recent movies where they tried to include that, like, cop aspect and it didn't work out great like uh jigsaw i thought that the cop part was like pretty stupid 
So yeah, because they as try to make him they... look like a fucking bad guy, but he was the <laughs> hero in the movie. So right. Dumb. So it's like as long as they. Like, I don't really know what I want the cops' involvement to be. I don't know if I want them to just be, like, torture fodder, or if they should have, like, do they stop Hellraiser? What do they do? <laughs> like, what is their role yeah. in the movie? Yeah, I don't know. There's, like, people being tortured. Like, it, the torture scene that they showed in the trailer reminded me of Fire in the Sky. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it did It did really look like that. Like, where they're pouring the white goo on his face mm-hmm. and stuff, and they got the mask over him. I was like, that's kind of cool. So... I don't know. I mean, I'm going to watch it. We'll, we'll review it. Yeah. So I'm color me interested. Uh, I was just thinking about like procedural cop horror movies. And the last one I could think of was that deliver us from evil piece of shit. We saw, do you remember that deliver us from Joel evil. McHale was in it. Remember his, dad? Oh Joel yeah. McHale was, like playing a caricature of like New York cops. He was yeah. like, yeah, buddy, we're going to go out and smash some skulls. <laughs> and he like, <laughs> he had that big, like Bowie knife that he flipped around the whole movie. Yeah, and Lulu Wilson was in it. That's funny. That must have been, like, one of her first movies. Also, it's directed by the guy who directed Sinister and Doctor Strange. Really? Yeah. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, that was a bad movie. Yeah, because he's a great director. (laughs) Right. I don't know what happened there, but that movie was not good. It's a true story. Oh, yeah, it was, like, Uh, based on, what, that one cop who became, like, an exorcist? Yeah, yeah. You know what? This guy's directed some stinkers. That I did not know this. He directed Hellraiser Inferno. See what I just said about it being just like Hellraiser. <laughs> just, a, just like an evil word. word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Land of Plenty for IFC, which I don't know about that. He directed Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's a good movie. Oh, he directed that Day the Earth Stood Still with Keanu. Oh, man. That movie was bad. <laughs> then Sinister, which was great. Yeah, really good. Uh, Devil's Not. haven't even never heard of that. He wrote that. And then he wrote, directed, Deliver Us From Evil, which is terrible. He wrote Sinister 2, which I heard was awful. Um, then Doctor Strange, which was really good. Yeah, I like Doctor Strange a lot. All right, next on the list. We have a new Resident Evil announcement being teased, which is kind of weird, but kind of cool. So I think it was before Resident Evil 7 was ever announced. When Whenever that Resident Evil 1 HD remake port of the GameCube game upscaled, to ps4 resolution was released people that did way better so like way better than capcom was expecting so then they were like okay we they announced a resident evil 2 remaster or remake whatever so the biohazard twitter has like on their banner a bunch of resident evil games that are available now and there's a black space and the rest of them have been moved over and the u.s twitter for resident evil has a logo that was shown during that resident evil 2 remake announcement in 2015 so i mean something's something's coming yeah pretty pretty heavily telegraphed there but i don't know i I, i've never played resident evil 2 i i tried playing it on like an n64 emulator and it was not good to play Mm -hmm. but i think it runs better in ps1 i just never tried it i'm just so done with these tank controls yeah I, i just i don't care Honestly, I, I don't. I don't want to go back and play that. Do you think it's gonna be the same as that Resident Evil One remake, where it's just gonna be an upscaled version of the old game, or do you think they're gonna completely redo it and try to make it? So, the reason I don't think it'll be like that is that it's been almost what like three years since they announced it. I don't think like not to say not to discount that port in any way, but like that doesn't seem like a very challenging thing to do because it's all just like 2d art and then you're upscaling textures of like a few models i would think but maybe and i really hope that's like the thing i really don't want i don't want that at all but if they up if they like met us in the middle between resident evil 7 and that and made it more like resident evil 4 that could be awesome yeah, I think if they put it in, like, the Resident Evil 4 HD engine, because they remade it for PS4, mm-hmm. I think if they did that, I'd be cool with that. If they Yeah, or, like, the Revelations 2. That that would work, yeah. too. Just, like, a, like even a third person over the shoulder, more old, old school Resident Evil, mm-hmm. I'd like that way, way more than having to deal with, like, those really, really old school controls. Yeah, and I would love that because the the story of Resident Evil Two is awesome. I I honestly I read the novels. Remember, did you ever read those novels? I read the one for the first book. Yeah, 
They were okay, but the two one was really cool. It was like the whole game. I just think it's awesome that that's the game that's like in Raccoon City when everything's happening. It's Leon, who everyone likes. In, I don't know. I think this could be really cool if they do it right. But if it's just another version of like the RE make, like re- Resident Evil remake or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm probably not even gonna buy it. I just I don't care. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I think if it's upscaled to, uh. A third person over the shoulder re4 or revelations 2 engine style game i'll probably get it but if it's old school then i'm probably just gonna pass yeah but i mean some people are excited for it so i don't know i we'll see how this goes but the the news here is that something's coming um and then some cool news from neil blomkamp he's been doing those shorts the oat studios shorts and he put out three big ones called zygote firebase and raka but he's gonna turn all of them into feature films eventually but he had people vote on twitter on which one they wanted to be the first one between zygote and firebase i like zygote more but it looks like firebase one so he's been partnering with unity to do this stuff and it looks pretty cool so we'll be getting three movies from neil blomkamp that are like his own creations that is cool. It's cool to see someone be able to completely start their own story and then be able to make a short of it and then have it, you know, be able to fully realize the vision that they've had basically from something that they started at zero and they get to fully realize that. I think that's cool. Yeah, me too. And it's going to be crowdfunded, crowdfunded, which usually works a lot better for movies than games. Like we've got Never Hike Alone and Primal Rage. Really cool stuff has come out of crowdfunded horror movies. So I have no problem with him crowdfunding these. And I think Rocco was the one with Sigourney Weaver. Huh. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And then Firebase had some really good gore effects. But Zygote was the one where it was like the monster from the thing. But instead of it transforming, it would like kill things and then suck up their body parts. Huh. So it was a giant monster made of like arms and heads. It looks like Gravelord ne- Neo or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that, that one is cool. That's why I want Zygote. But uh, Firebase was also pretty sweet. It's like choosing between three different chocolates or something. Right. Yeah. I They're mean, as long as they get enough funding and the effects can be done well, and, you know, obviously with uh, Neil Baumkamp at the head, he'll probably want it to be as good as possible. So I know, you know, he'll probably put his all into it. And I think, I think it's a cool idea to have people crowdfund like his three movies that everyone seems to like a lot. Yeah. So that's cool. And then, uh, quick news, Leonardo DiCaprio, big surprise, has joined Tarantino's Manson movie, and he's starring, as they put it, but he's not playing Charles Manson. He's playing an aging actor who comes into contact with Charles Manson during the movie that is set in 1969. So I'm sure that'll be good. Yeah, it just seems like a strange plot subject for Tarantino to take on, but... Yeah. Uh... I mean, his movies are good. I like a lot of his movies, but I just... It just seems kind of strange to have, like, a Manson, you know. But, I mean, there's, yeah. like... There's a lot of things for him to work with. There's a lot of gore and, you know... Things that he all ha- that he has experience with. It just... It seems like usually when whenever Tarantino makes a movie, it's something that he wants to do. Like, one of his own original stories. It's not usually yeah. based in history, with the exception of... Uh, Inglorious Bastards, but even that was like a fictionalized version of World War Two, so exactly. It it's like a, I don't know if he's gonna try to mess with like the Manson timeline and just take the idea and then rewrite history in his own way, like he did in Inglorious Bastards, or if he's gonna kind of try to follow the historical events. But uh, either way, I think it's a cool idea, and uh, I I want to I'll definitely see it when it comes out. Yeah, and Sony's making it, which is weird because like they've been having such a they had a really shitty last couple of years but then they had a win with the new jumanji movie which i kind of liked but think is totally overrated and then now they got uh tarantino on their side after the whole weinstein thing yeah i mean so like maybe this would be sony another big thing for sony yeah i mean i think that they've made some pretty good ones pretty good movies but they've also had some stinkers so i'd like to see them come out with a win dude i am so stoked for his star trek movie yeah. that he's doing. Do you hear about that? He's doing a rated R Star Trek movie. 
I just I don't know if that'll ever come out. I, I really don't know if that is ever gonna. Exist. It was like he was like, yeah, I I would like to do that, and then it went from that to like, yeah, I'm signed on to direct this. Let's get going. <laughs> like, oh, like I, I was surprised he even signed on. I don't think it'll come out either, but damn, that would be awesome. That would be crazy to see some weird like Tarantino alien bar on some crazy planet with like the. <laughs> Chris Pine is yeah. like fighting people in there and stuff. That'd be sweet. He like set up these wild demands for the studio too, and they met them all. They were like, "Yeah, sure, you can make it violent and rated R and swear a lot. Go for it, dude." Well, I think what what was the third one? Into Darkness. Beyond. 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 I think a lot of people weren't super hot on. No, they, no one liked that one. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I saw it in theaters and then basically Did James forgot Wan about direct it. That? I don't think so. I don't know. But anyway, I saw it in theaters. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was anything special. But I think that this is kind of a good shot in the arm for the Star Trek series because I think a lot of people were like, (laughs) thought it was really cool when uh, Abrams did the first remake. And that was a really good movie. And then I think after that, the interest really fell off. Yeah, because he moved to Star Wars. But uh, it was directed by Justin Lin, who did Fast and Furious 3 for three through 6, which are two, or three, two out of three of those are pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Why not? I don't really care about Star Trek, even though I like the first two movies. So do whatever. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. I think, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it'll all come out, but I think it'd be hilarious to just see, yeah. like, that kind of story placed in that universe. <laughs> yeah, so... Next up, we have some good news and bad news. So the bad news is that New Mutants has been delayed from April to February of next year, which is a big delay. Like, yeah, it's huge. Roughly but, one year delay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the re- they're doing reshoots to make it scarier because Disney doesn't like it now that they own it. But yeah, it's it's good that they're making it scarier. Like that, how could you complain about that? They, I guess Disney, uh, an insider said that the movie is being made because all right shit let me get let me let me read this so we have a quote here we have two quotes uh from rap the first one is an insider said that the move is being made because the film isn't scary enough and then tracking board said word on the street is after the film tested well but not great the studio decided to actually embrace the film's horror elements and beef up the scares in the wake of the success of get out last year and it so, yeah, dude, if they're taking inspiration from Get Out and It, like, how, how could this be a bad move? Yeah, that's actually really a good thing to hear, that they're like, well, I think that's actually really cool that in 2017 we had two huge, huge horror movies like that mm-hmm. that did gangbusters, and now people kind of want to get into the genre. So yeah. it's obviously a good It's obviously cool that they want to make it more, you know, feed into the genre that is like, never been touched by the X-Men series before. Yeah, so that's bad but cool, kind of. I don't. I mean, I think it was going up against Han Solo and Deadpool, Deadpool two in April, basically, because those come out in May. Yeah. So it's probably good they got moved anyway. <laughs> yeah, I saw it was it was late April. Yeah. Did you see it was like, once it was like a ton of these like Fox movies all got moved up. Yep. And this was the only one that got moved back, pretty much. So I don't know if it was like. Uh, Disney was like, well, just push all the old shit that you made that is, like, not good. Just, like, get it gone so that when we take over, we can, like, clean slate it and get some, yeah. like, some fresh good eyes on everything or what. But I that was the that was my takeaway when I saw that, like, everything got moved up and this got moved back. It was like, well, they actually care if, like, this is a good movie or not. Yeah, and I saw people who were nervous about Deadpool 2 because that got moved right before Han Solo and people are like why would they even move this movie it got moved like two or three weeks so i mean people are pretty nervous that deadpool 2 isn't living up to the first movie uh i'm kind of worried about it too i the my main worry was after the movie came out and everybody loved it i was like i hope this movie doesn't get like a huge budget and kind of wrecks like the charm of the first movie Mm -hmm. and um that's like my my biggest fear (laughs) Is that? <laughs> that's exact it got the huge budget they got a huge actor playing cable and like they they're working with different better x-men than they were in the first movie because they had to deal with like the 
C-listers, basically, besides Colossus. Right, but they even made that funny because it was like he yeah. goes to the the ex like Xavier Mansion and he's like, "Hey, it's weird. It's almost like we couldn't afford to have any characters with these two pieces of shit." And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was cool, and that kind of added yeah, a lot I like of charm that. to the movie. I want movie. that in this one. So and like, C- Cable's cool, but. I mean, that's, I like, know. the guy that he hangs out with most in the comics, yeah. I guess, so... Uh, Isn't it, like, his kid? Is it Cable's kid? No, Cable oh, is Cyclops' kid from the future. Oh, right, okay. But but then he has, he has the cancer that turns him into a robot, right? Right. So, there's, like, a lot of... His story's kind of weird, and I assume they're gonna do, like, some kind of joke where they just fast-forward through it or something in the movie. But that would be so funny. <laughs> Started showing his backstory. <laughs> just fast forward. Like Deadpool's like, you don't need to see this shit. It's really dumb. <laughs> it's like fast forwards through all of it. Like it doesn't matter anyway. Disney's gonna delete it. Yeah. So who cares? Right. Something like that would be he, pretty funny. He was made from a mutant dick and then grew into a human. And there you go. There you go. There's your cable origin. But <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I was afraid of the the big budget affecting it, and I don't know. I haven't heard, like, anything about this movie, which kind of scares me. Yeah, the teaser had nothing to do with the movie. It was just, like, Deadpool letting a guy die in the alley. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I really like the first one, and I feel like this one could be good or could be not so good, so I don't know. Yeah, so... That's all we got for news today, baby. Uh, I don't have a creature feature because I just didn't do it. So we're going to skip that this week. And we're going to move right on to segment two after a quick break. Alright, we're back from our quick break for segment two. This week we got a theatrical horror movie for y'all, but it's kind of like an indie one. It has an indie feel to it, and it is Insidious 4, The Last Key, directed by Adam Robitel, who is the director of The Taking of Deborah Logan, which is a movie that was super underrated and underviewed, and then it got released on Netflix and did amazing. It's once again written by Lee Winnell, who is always the writer on these movies, and it stars Lynn Shay, Lee Winnell, and Angus Sampson which is cool. I like all those people. I like the writer. I like the director, which kind of makes me bummed out that this movie is just like, all right, in my opinion. Yeah. I thought it was pretty much just okay. It was for, for a January movie. Pretty good. Pretty good for a January movie for sure. But I think if this was released in October, it probably would have got buried, but. Oh, definitely. I think, I think probably releasing in January was a good call. And yeah, the tactic of releasing a decent movie in January versus October makes sense. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think... It didn't blow me away. I think it's probably the worst Insidious movie, but... Yeah, it is. Because you haven't seen three, right? No, I haven't seen three, but the first two are both, like, really good, so... Yeah. I don't know. So, so the plot of this one is... So, the first two focus on Patrick Wilson's family... And, like, Patrick Wilson gets possessed in the second one. His son is possessed in the first one. And Lynn Shay is the psychic medium who helps them out. I Do you remember which one she dies in? One or two? I think it's the first one. Okay, cool. So then three was her. She had, like, turned off the psychic ability. She wasn't really helping people out anymore. And then she gets convinced to come help this teenage girl who gets possessed and then she meets up with Tucker and Specs, who are played by Lee and Angus. And so I think that one is actually the best of them all. Because A, Lee Winnell, who's written all these movies, directed it. And he got to act in it a little bit as his character Specs. And then Angus Sampson is like one of the most underrated actors ever. I love him. He's from Fargo, season two, and in a bunch of shit. And just seeing like Lynn Shay kind of come into that psychic role works a lot better than I think it did seeing her like as a main character in that role yeah but it's cool that she's 74 i guess right yeah i mean it's cool to have her be like the main character of this series Mm -hmm. it's interesting i mean you don't see many you know 70 year old women be the face of a horror franchise so i mean that's cool but and and she's good in it i mean she's not definitely not the weakest part of the movie 
I think the weakest part is the dialogue, which is weird because the dialogue is traditionally in the other three movies been really good. Like Lee Winnell did a really good job. Yeah, there's some really not good jokes in it. Oh god, they're <laughs> so bad. And, and no, I didn't laugh at any of them. No, I, I'm confident in saying I I like knew they were jokes and did not laugh. I think I like cringe laughed at a few of them, but especially the one at the end in the hospital i was like oh yucky oh god that was so bad yeah and like the the whole there's like sorry guys we're spoiling a little bit of this but there's some stupid shit with tucker and specs where they're like there's two teenage to late 20s characters in this one and (laughs) they're like in a love triangle kind of not really and it's so ham-fisted and just cringy i did i didn't like that at all Um, no and there's also there's also it's it's basically the story is about the character of Elise. And so like it starts with her as a child. She lives in this house next to a prison and she has the psychic ability and her dad uh is not fond of that and beats her up and so she runs away eventually. And so you get to see all this and then you find out like why she is the way she is and blah blah blah. This movie has some really cool twists though. I, I there's a there's a big twist related to like her psychic ability right in the middle that I liked a lot. I thought it was really smart. And then they do it again, and I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is really dumb. <laughs> I think, I thought that the one, the first big twist, once they start exploring the house a little bit more, was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And right. I thought that was going to be, like, the big pivot of the movie. Yeah, but, me too. But then they kind of, like, pivot away from it again, and you're and like... They, they make it part of the plot, like... Right. They make it... When, part of the haunting when it could have been like the like the big through line of the movie that was like you're taking this on but instead it's just like this is an addition to what's going on with the spirit that's like haunting this house and i i thought that the creature design was pretty good though i thought that yeah the, i was just gonna say that it, the main bad guy was really cool this movie has some cool demons like this franchise yeah i thought that the it does, do you know if the monster has a name if uh I forget. Probably like Keyfinger or something. <laughs> well, key, we'll call her Keyfingers. Yeah. I thought Keyfingers was cool. I thought that her... I thought that the ability where she can, like, turn people's voice off with the finger mm-hmm. in the throat was kind of cool. Yeah, me too. And uh, so the third movie has an old man with a respirator who is, like, walking around in a hospital gown. They're, like, very similar looking, mm-hmm. but they're both really cool. And then the first movie has that weird red yeah, dude Darth looks Maul. like he's straight out of yeah, straight out of Neo or something. Yeah. And that one's pretty scary. Uh but this this one was like up to par with the rest of them, pretty scary. I just just some of the plot aspects of it just don't make sense. Like they they didn't feel like they were part of the Insidious universe. They felt more like they were trying to be part of the Conjuring universe. Yeah, I thought like, that the the end was pretty cringy. Yep. I didn't like how they resolved, like, defeating Keyfingers. I thought that was really dumb. Mm-hmm. And But I did think that the way that they tie it into uh, the first movie was actually done really well. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I totally agree there. And it gets kind of corny with there's one line where she's doing her monologue at the end. And there's one line that was like super corny to me. <laughs> yeah. But other other than that, I, I was into it. I get why they did it that way. Yeah. Uh, I get it. I, I thought that it definitely kind of falls apart like two thirds of the way through. Oh well, we can spoil this because everyone like presumably if you're coming in at the fourth movie, you've seen the first movie. So if you don't want this spoiled, uh, pause or skip ahead like thirty seconds. But she. At the end of the movie, seemingly out of nowhere, she's talking to Tucker and Specs, and she's like, I used to be really scared to die, but now that I have a new family, I'm okay with it. <laughs> and then she gets the call from the first movie, and she's like, oh, shit. And then it ends. <laughs> so it's like, okay. I, I mean, did you really need the, like, I have acceptance of death now? Like, <laughs> yeah i don't know i want to go back and watch the first movie and see if like her death makes her really scared or something or or if you know she just is cool with it yeah i don't know i mean it, i would assume they did the the homework since hasn't uh the adam robotel guy done written all of them no it's lee winnell the he's written all of them. oh but yeah okay yeah lee winnell well he's so he knows what he's doing so i assume he like he obviously knows the continuity of everything and 
Yeah, which is weird because like a lot of the issues. So you know, like when you write a, the fourth movie is the prequel that leads into the first movie. You there's issues that a lot of movies run into that this one it has completely different issues. Like it it nails the stuff of mixing it into the universe in the right way, but then the ancillary stuff that should just be like no sweat at this point is weird. Like the pacing is super off for this movie, which has never happened in the franchise, and. The scares are cool, but like we said, the jokes are really bad, and they've traditionally been pretty good. And the heartfelt nature of the plot is kind of lost in this one. Yeah, that kind of falls three, flat. It's it's huge, like it's a big part of it, and they it's like how do you fuck it up after three movies? Yeah, I the heartfelt thing should have worked better once you mm. like you know figure out like the relationship with all the characters and everything. So that was weird that that kind of fell flat, and. I don't know. I mean, I just thought it was just okay. Mm-hmm. Like, as an Insidious movie, I give it a 7. As, like, a horror movie, I give it a 6. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. But yeah. I think it was a decent adult in, like installment in the series. I don't think it really messes anything up. Mm-hmm. I think It's that... inoffensive. No, yeah, sure. completely inoffensive. I think they could do another one, and it would still be cool. They made, it, they made way more money than they thought they were going to make on it. It, it, like, almost made its budget back in the first weekend, which was crazy. Well, I mean, a lot of people saw it. When I saw it in theater, my theater was completely packed. Yeah, mine was, too. I thought that was really weird, honestly. Uh, but, I, I don't know, I saw Jumanji the other day, and my theater was packed. So Yeah. I mean, these January movies are just coming out of nowhere, and it's really weird that they're, people are liking them. Right, usually they're, like the worst movies that the studio has and they just push them out in the beginning of the year to get rid of them so mm-hmm. you know what technical issue i noticed that there was a lot of adr issues like a lot of stuff where uh lynn shea wasn't looking at the camera and they were having her say lines but you could totally tell they recorded them later like <laughs> like the lips didn't like lips not matching with the words well or? no no like you know it's it, so basically if there's an extra line they need to throw in after the fact because something isn't working they'll wait for a scene where someone's walking up the stairs not facing the camera or something mm-hmm. and then have them record the line and then they'll play it over the scene right that's called like adring uh-huh. and like there was the part when she she dresses them up in her she dresses them up in suits and ties like that's a thing when lee specs and uh tucker are ghost hunting they wear this the shirt and tie and then there was that weird line where she's like not even facing the camera. she's like if we're going to do this, you're going to wear some of my husband's old clothes. <laughs> and it's like, you could tell they put that in after the fact, like clearly. And because her husband was a, a big focus, that was why she stopped being a medium. Basically her husband died and mm-hmm. she was like trying to reconcile it in the third one. And you could tell that they just literally were like, this doesn't tie into the third one that much. Let's like throw in some line about her husband. Yeah. She never mentions him other than. Yeah. That is literally the only line where they ever talk about him. So did, did that feel weird to you? Like, did you notice that? I don't I mean, know why it stood out. To it me. just felt like one of the other like weird out of place jokes that were in the movie. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's line that I've noticed like so much more in movies since I started editing is like my job. Right. Because we do that a lot, spoilers. But uh, it's just weird when you when you actually notice it. Like it's it's usually hidden way better than that. But it's just like her standing in front of this RV. That RV too. They run. They get an RV, and it's like they're like basically when she's going to this house. This this isn't really a spoiler. It's just like a very early plot detail. She's like, I gotta do this alone because it's my old house, <laughs> and it's like why. So then the next morning, Tucker and Specs roll up with a custom-painted RV. It's like, how did you get this in 10 hours? Well, I mean, that's not even really the issue. The issue is she's like, I need to do this by myself. And they're like, no. And she goes, okay. Yeah, she's just like, oh, well, you bought an RV, so I I have to let you now. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, all right. I guess if that's how you want to move the plot along, you don't want it to be like, they're like they go up to her and have like a heartfelt like we don't want you to get in trouble and like if we can help it any way we can like we want to be there for you and like we're part of your team and like you know yeah if she's gonna immediately concede why even have her 
say like i gotta do this alone in the first place like they're living with her you know like, yeah it's, it's not like, like it's literally it's a three minute scene like she's like i'm gonna do this alone goes to bed wakes up and then they're outside with the rv yeah she's like okay we're doing it together it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then another thing that was really weird is that okay her a family member comes back into it her little brother and he has two daughters who we've already mentioned he is like late 70s at the earliest and his daughters are like 19 and 23 like it was jarring i thought they're gonna be like oh hey grandpa yeah but they're like dad oh you're so funny you like ornery old man like ha your dementia is hilarious like it's like what the hell well obviously they're you know that doesn't work though i was gonna say they're trying to match his age to like to elisa's but that doesn't work because she was older than him by like i don't know probably at least like seven years when they're kids yeah so he didn't have to be like that old No, he could have been like a 50 year old dad like who like that would make that would make sense if it was a 50 year old man like the trivago daddy or something trivago daddy that would be like totally fine <laughs> i think <laughs> So that was that was weird though. I agree with that. Yeah, now we're just nitpicking. Yeah. I think overall it works. I don't think it's bad in any way like it's it just offensively bad. It just doesn't it's not like the same quality as the other ones. Definitely. That is that is for sure. I am on board with that. So I think we can call call it a wrap on segment two there. Uh, if you want to go see it, it's still in theaters. Seems like a lot of people are liking it, but it also seems like a lot of people agree with us that it's definitely the worst in the franchise. But if you're a fan of Insidious, I, I doubt you're jumping in at the fourth movie if you're not a fan. So go check it out if you like the series. Yeah. Cool. So we'll be right back with segment three. Okay, so we're back from a quick break with segment three, and since this is our first episode of 2018 on January 16th, <laughs> uh, I thought it'd be cool to talk about like our goals for the show in 2018, because we're trying to we're trying to make it big. Now that we've got a few episodes under our belt, we've got the format down, we have like editing down and posting and everything. We've got all the basic stuff done, so we we have I think we both have some things we want to change or make better now that we're in a new year uh so the first thing that i want to do i think is get more guests on this year like other than interviewing people for segment three i want to have more guests on the actual show i think that'd be cool to have more people to interact with you know because it's it's really a conversation every time we do one of these we just bring up a topic and we just talk about it for a few minutes so it'd be cool to have like a third you know a third voice in in there to just kind of debate things a little bit deeper yeah, so if there's anyone in the horror film community you'd like to see on the show, I think what the best thing to do would be to tweet at them nicely and politely. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> and say like, hey, you should go on at Fear Frequency and talk about X with Jimmy and George or something like that. Like if there's, Or just let us know and we'll do all the legwork there. But, I mean, there's some people. We know a lot of people in the like youtube film community we know a lot of people in the horror community so it just i think it'd be fun to have some of the creature feature people we've featured on before or something like that to talk of two more yeah i think that would be cool i think because like wouldn't it be sweet to hear like opinions on horror news from people who the news is about right wouldn't that be like kind of meta and cool yeah i mean that'd be cool to see someone who kind of has a more you know internal look at the industry to talk about things that aren't directly related to something they're working on you know yeah definitely i think that they probably have you know a different point of view than we have and i think that'd be cool to to kind of discuss that a little deeper yeah so what's your what's one of your big goals i think i hope fingers crossed that this is like a bigger year for like the mainstream horror movies i hope we can do more like theatrical movies mm -hmm. and you know fingers crossed maybe get them a little bit early i think that would be dope that would be cool to be able to talk about some of the bigger movies earlier than 
when they come out in theaters instead of just these direct-to-DVD, which there have been, to be fair, a ton of really good direct-to-VOD movies that came out last year that I think it is cool that we can talk about them so people don't miss them, like Primal Rage and, uh, you know, like Stegman is Dead. I think there's a lot of cool under-the-radar movies that people normally miss that we can kind of pick up on, but I would like to do probably some some bigger movies as well. Yeah, me too. And there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out, so I don't think that'll be too tough. And then another thing I want to do is I want us to do at least one live episode. And what I'm thinking there would be like a convention or something. Like I'm looking at Midsummer Scream. That's in Long Beach here. I think that'd be a lot of fun. We were talking to uh, our friend Jen about maybe going to that one of the festivals. The, it was like a, the Toronto was Horror Festival. Yeah, there was like a Toronto International Horror Festival or something. We were going to try and go to that, but like that was just such short notice. And then it turned out that the iPhone 10 launched that weekend, so I like was working the whole weekend anyway. But there's like a ton of horror conventions all over America and in Canada that we could definitely figure out going to. Yeah, I think it would be cool to, if not be like a panel there, to just kind of see what it's like and maybe have... Yeah. Like, a, you know, the two of us get to meet up and we get to go to a horror convention and then we can talk about it. We can do, like, a full episode on it or something. I think it would just be yeah. cool to see something like that in person. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I'm really thinking Midsummer Scream will be a big one. So um, I'm looking into how we can get a panel there. But I don't I don't think it'd be too tough for either of us. Like, like not to toot our own horn, but we get, we get a few listeners. We know a lot of people in the industry. And my YouTube channel, I like has been doing pretty well so i think we have the avenues to get into we have like a little bit of clout we can kind of use yeah and so i think another big goal we have is to do another thing where you go to the whatever stephen p shippy does this year (laughs) oh yeah i mean that's that would also be cool to go to together since you got to just hear me talk about it if you could actually see what what it's like at in uh you know, at the actual event, because it is something else. It really is crazy to see. I think it'd be cool to have, uh, you know, different people that also do what we do and kind of, I mean, you know, there's people that do things similar to us and, you know, ideas that we've taken from other podcasts pretty much, but it would be cool to kind of talk to them and kind of collaborate in some way. Yeah, I know that we're, like, we've brought up (laughs) multiple times with Luke and uh, Jacob over at Modern Horrors about collaborating with them. We just need to find the time to do it. So I really, I really want to get on a show with them, whether it be us on their show or that them on our show. So I think that's definitely doable. Like we're setting some realistic goals. And then the, the big one obviously is to get an episode sponsored by the end of the year. I think that's a good, goal. that would be huge to have even one sponsor would be massive. Yeah, so uh, the big way you can help us out, though, is by reviewing the show on iTunes and letting us know what you want to hear. Like, if you tell us what movies... So, something we we kind of overdid last year was the indie horror movies. Like, we said yes to basically everything just so we could build out our little library. But I think this year, I'd like to focus more on, like, focusing on movies that people actually want to hear about, you know, like us tell there's, there's definitely something to be said about us telling you about what you should be watching, which we will continue to do. But if we, we don't want to miss movies that you want to hear about. Yeah. I think if we can be a bit more selective on what people are looking forward to, but still kind of be able to pick out some gems that people haven't seen. I think that's a good balance to strike. Yeah. So, but I think our first, 12 episodes i think they went really well like we have a i personally think especially since i redid it i think our logo is great i think our site looks good i think we have a good aesthetic and like a good format so now we just need to like make it bigger right i mean we've laid the groundwork out a little bit i mean we haven't been going for super long i mean what it's been almost six months yeah which is crazy yeah it's crazy how when you look at 13 12 or 13 episodes you're like huh that's not that many but then you think about like you only get four episodes a month right yeah ish so it's so been like, like five because we basically missed a like three yeah weeks. we missed like a big chunk of december yeah so but it's still it's been a little bit of time and we're we've definitely i think tweaked it in certain spots and made it better so i think that's that's just gonna you know obviously continue to improve over the year to come yeah 
So uh, I think that's a good spot as any to, you know, wrap up here. We have some pretty good goals that we're going to work towards. But if, if you have any cool horror-related goals that for your 2018, you should tell me and George on Twitter at Jimmy Champagne and at George Frizzard. And if you go see Insidious, you should definitely tell us what you think of that, too, because we like hearing from you guys. Uh, you can also find us on any podcast platform out there, but the big one is iTunes, obviously. And if you're listening to the show and you made it all the way to the end, it would mean a lot if you could give us a review on iTunes. That really helps out. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys are having a great January, great start to the year, and even though it's, like, totally arbitrary and doesn't matter. <laughs> and <laughs> I hope you have some good stuff to look forward to. So you want to bring us home, George? Yeah, so uh, come back next episode for more horror news and reviews. And as always, you never know who might be listening. <laughs>